You know, it's interesting, our perspective about money and how it changes throughout your life. I can remember when I was younger that I, was, I would think that, man, if I had $10,000 in the bank, I would be incredibly rich, you know? And yet today, $10,000 represents braces and retainers for one kid, right? <laughs> Pastor John Siebling uh, was talking to people about uh, finances, and I, and I was listening uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I really enjoyed how he classified where we're at as people. We live kind of in two lands with, when, when it comes to money, right? We live in two lands. We either live in the land of not enough. Don't raise your hand if you live in a land of not enough. Uh, but we, how many of you know someone who lives in a land of not enough, right? Okay, so no I self-identify. We're like, we know somebody, right? Uh, the second land, he says, that people live in with respect to finances is the land of just enough, you know? got through the month, got all the bills paid, just enough, right? That's, that's uh, where some people live. The question is, well, where would God have us live with respect to, to how we view our finances or how we view what we need in life? And I would suggest that he would have us live in the land of more than enough, right? More than enough. Uh, we have talked about it even over recent weeks, how even I think last week we were touching on uh, how Peter said, even in the midst of trials and difficulties, I don't have any money, um, I don't have, uh, you know, but yet I feel wealthy, I feel enriched, uh, I sense that I have lack of nothing, you know, I'm just, uh, God is taking care of everything, emotionally, physically, mentally, God is taking care of every need as it, as it arises. If I'm hungry, I may not have money to go to Jack in the Box, but suddenly someone pops by and hands me a sandwich. You know, it's like God is always providing, and that's what it means really to live in the land of more than enough. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessings of the Lord brings wealth and adds no sorrow with it. And as we examine this in the context of the whole of the word, prosperity teachers might tell you this is going to enrich you. This is a, a scripture about God talking about enriching your bank account, this, this aligns with what Peter was saying, that no matter what your bank account says, that you sense you are wealthy because you have a personal relationship with the God who owns everything, right? And, you know, it's, it's one thing, right, to have it in our bank account, but isn't it great if, you're, if your father has it in his bank account and he really loves you? That's cool. Uh, I've had, uh, you know, I've been bailed out before by my dad, you know, helping me understand, you know, and provide for me. And our Heavenly Father loves us, and He's the one with which all of this is, uh, is in His capacity to deliver for us whenever we need it. I learned early in my life to save money. I don't know what your experience was growing up, but a uh, a few times, actually, while I was at home, I was able to lend my parents money. Uh, I witnessed the pressure that debt can put on a marriage uh, growing up in my own home. And it made an impact on my life. And, and so I determined that I would live life differently. And from the time I was probably 11 years old, I always had the ability to go find a $100 bill hidden somewhere that I was hanging on to, right? And so saving was, was important to me, and it was kind of 
born out of uh, a situation of, of finding out the stress and the pressure that debt puts on a, a relationship. And I determined that I would not be in that kind of a situation where I would have to worry about money. And the question this morning for us about this worry, I think, is how can you live worry-free financially? What does the scripture have to say with respect to that? Finances are uh, at the top of the list for us. Every poll you look at, every time this is a question that arises, what is your number one worry? This always rises to the top of the level, right? Uh, Even in the midst of of all kinds of other crises like we have going on right now, Money is, is that one, and, and here's, the, here's the reason why. Why is money like a number one focus over and over again when it's polled and when it's talked about? Money is the commodity of our daily life, right? From the moment that you get up and, and, and you know, from the opening moments and you, you get into your car and you drive down to gas it up for the week and, and uh, you buy your coffee and whatever else you want, to the close of the day when you stop by the grocery store to pick up and purchase the evening meal. And then over the course of the week, right, you're, uh, and, and month, you're, you're paying bills and our attention to money is constant, right? Every day uh, we are having to pay attention to money. I mean, it, it even gets to the point where, you know, it's, it's like breathing, isn't it? I mean, we have to make payments and, and take care of bills and those kinds of things. And so it's no wonder, really, that money rises to a primary focus in our worries. Many marriages have been broken over the weight of uh, financial worry. And the reason why is because debt enslaves the debtors. And uh, we, we are no longer able to... to um, you know, have the freedom that we originally had when we came into the relationship uh, in, in, in that sense. We are bound and kind of imprisoned once uh, debt really sets in. Here are the things that, that debt do. We have them up on the, uh, for you to view there. Debt reorders your life, right? I mean, if you had prioritized doing something else, it is that old bumper sticker on your car that says, well, now I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, right? <laughs> Uh, it, it reorders our life. We uh, no longer have full say in what is happening next. Debt demands your time. It demands your attention, your resources, your creativity. Counsel with couples who had to come up with some real... I, this happened to me when we were in Phoenix. There was one couple that came in for uh, financial counseling, 26 credit cards maxed out. Can you imagine that? I mean, I don't, I don't think I would even qualify for three, but 26 of them, you know... Maxed out to the debt. There was a tire card, you know, where you get tires on your car. From uh, there was just uh, you know J.C. Penney's and just everything you can imagine. It was in the pile, and and uh, it was just just incredible. And so uh, they had to devote their attention, their resources, their creativity to retiring this debt and, and getting rid of it. It just took a tremendous amount of energy. Thank God. Uh, you know, they were surrounded by loving people around them, encouraging them, helping them in every way they could to get back on their feet in God's family. And, uh, it, and their marriage held. Their marriage held because they were able to get out of that debt. Debt does destroy, though, marriages. It, uh, debt destroys relationships. Borrowed from somebody that you know you care about, they care about you, and you, can't, you feel like you can't pay them back. It destroys relationships. Debt steals your peace of mind. And, you know, you're, it is something that's constantly haunting us. We're walking around, 
you know, upset about uh, the debt that we have hanging over us. And, and it just really, it, it really takes a toll on our mental and emotional health, right? Debt kills dreams, dreams that we had as we were growing up. I want to do this and I want to do that. And now we're enslaved to this debt and we have to go and do something other than build on that dream, plan for that dream, uh, make room for that dream, right? So how is it that we can live uh, financially free? We're getting into the meat of it right now. So I'm going to talk to you out of this passage, three principles that God wants us to understand that are going to help you with respect to understanding, you know, where things should be financially. And then we're going to end it with one, with talking about uh, how to put in place an action plan. What we call here at uh, the Grace Place Church, the 10-10-80 plan. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, when we get to near the close and an action plan that you can put together in your life that will change your life. So let's talk first about principle number one, pops up early in this passage, and it is the principle to, of having correct understanding about life. And here it is. Do not worry about your life. Let's read that together. Do not worry about your life. One more time, will you? Do not worry about your life. And now I'd like you to do it one more time, but look at your neighbor, will you? And say it. Do not worry about your life. All right? Now that helped, right? You're not worrying anymore. What you will eat, uh, what you will drink, nor, what, uh, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Having a correct understanding about life is really key for us getting uh, rid of, of worry. And so when we really understand what life is about, life is more than food, life is more than the body, life is more than clothing, life is more than cars, life is more than vacations, life is more than homes, life is more than marriages and hobbies, life is more than pets. Uh, when we really understand what life is for us, it really makes a tremendous difference and helps us live differently. I think even through uh, this pandemic, you know, and all of the things that all of us have faced together in this, this giant storm that swept across the world, that this is a principle when understood, it helps you to live differently through great crisis. Understand, have a correct understanding about what life is. Ephesians chapter 2.10 says, for we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's handiwork. When you understand that and you're grounded in that, there, it, it really begins to give your worldview a different kind of, of perspective. You start seeing things differently. I am created by God for uh, good works. I, am, uh, I was made for him for this moment in this hour and this time to be on this planet, to live a life that would bring glory to him. The Great Commission, which sets our mission uh, forward for all of us, and that is found in uh, one of the places, Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Being a Christian has, you know, when we have that full understanding of what 
life is really all about. It's not that we don't go parasailing. It's not that we don't go fishing. And it's not that we don't enjoy things, you know, and have a great life. It's not that we don't uh, have friends over and all this kind of stuff. But being grounded in why we are here in the first place, we do make decisions differently. We do live differently. We do have different priorities than the rest of the world. When we understand that we have a greater purpose than breathing 75 years worth of air, it affects our worry tremendously, right? When we understand, hey, I have a divine purpose on this planet, and it, it, it tremendously affects the way that we see life. It affects how our focus uh, on our time, on our talents, on our treasure, we look at those things differently than the rest of the world, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's not a bucket list because this isn't the end of it, right? I mean, I can make a bucket list in this life. It's not horrible that, you know, I would do something like that. But I don't have to meet it all. My eyes have not seen nor my ears heard the things that God has prepared for me. And when I get into eternity, some of these things that I might have on my bucket list, you know, they, they look pretty pitiful in, in, in a divine heaven that God has created just for me. I mean, you talk about a crystal sea. You know, I love clear water because you can see what's coming, right? The sharks and all that. <laughs> Killer whales. I, I was watching, uh, I, I recently got addicted to, I shouldn't have, but uh, the reels on, uh, what's it called, uh, Instagram. And uh, I was watching one the other day, and there's, there's this guy, it's out in the, the ocean, and, and it's, uh, there's a, um, they've, they've got one of those, uh, things that fly over the top that have the cameras um, and he's and they're watching down below where he's at and he's uh, trying to get re-engaged with skiing they've been skiing on the ocean and there uh, is a killer whale underneath him watching you know as he's and he did, has no idea you know and he's he's uh, like reaching for the rope and trying to swims over to where the rope is grabs the rope and as this guy takes off and he gets back up on the skis and gets going uh, this killer whale starts following him and says, this is fun. You know, my food is moving. <laughs> I just make this fun. Uh, so it, it was just, just kind of an incredible thing to see, you know. Uh, when we have a, a real, like, sense of purpose in life, we understand, right? We don't have to check all the boxes, right? We just have to check his box. Amen? We have to, we, we are so fulfilled in doing what he's asking us to do. And I've found that throughout my life. Principle number two, acknowledge God's provision and put your trust in him, right? We can gain a tremendous amount of stability about our own situation and circumstance when we just look around and see what God has already provided. He says, look at the birds of the air. Take some time. For they neither sow nor reap and gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable than they are? Listen, God loves his creation. What he created. The killer whales. <laughs> right? Right on down the line. God loves his creation. But you were created in his image. Aren't you much more valuable? Right? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to get in a battle with people who love their dogs like a human or their cats, you know, put clothes on them and everything else. You know, we loved our dogs. 
we, you know, uh, we lost her a few years ago. It was tragic, you know. But I do have an understanding that as much as we love those animals, as much as God does what he created, that I have more value because I've been created in his image. I've been made in his image. Are you not much more valuable? Man, that really helps us to, to understand um, and, and value what's, you know, what we are, what God created us to be. Your, your value in truth, God, God gave his son to redeem you from his sin because you were created in his image. He loves you. There is, there is no more worthy uh, person we can trust than God. There's no one that's, that's worthy of that level of trust than is God. He is, he is worthy of our trust because he has created us, he loves us, and he takes care of us. And when we look around and see how he takes care of his creation, we can know much more he's watching over us. He loves us. He cares about us. And he wants to take care of us. Psalm 58, or 56, verse 8 says, You keep track of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. No one knows you better than God. And no one loves you better than God. It's just a matter of us opening to that and trusting him. God provide for my needs today out of the lord's prayer right give us this day all the money we need for retirement right <laughs> give us this day our say it with me daily bread today the manna from heaven that fell for the children of israel was for that day if they tried to save it, the Bible says it's spoiled. It was ruined. Because God wanted to teach them that you only need today this. Tomorrow I'll take care of. I'm in your tomorrow too. Tomorrow I will give you what you need and we'll take care of you. Principle number three. Live like you need God, not like you are God. Right? <laughs> Live like you need God, not like you are God. Uh, verse 27 says, which of you, let's read this together, right? It's in bold. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And I, I had a good friend in uh, high school, Arnold Duran. He was five foot ten. He played guard for us on our basketball team. He was very good, swift shot. But Arnold wanted to be taller. Because Arnold wanted to dunk the basketball, you know. And, uh, you know, we uh, kept encouraging him and working with him. And on uh, our, our senior year, game number three, Arnold got so pumped and, and was wide open, he went for the dunk, and he got it <laughs> at 5'10". And, uh, you know, but we've all wanted to add a little bit of stature, right? I mean, we've all wanted to, not only just like in our height, but... You know, also in our, our uh, like what everybody else thinks about us, right? Our, and our job titles and everything else. So it goes on to say here, so why do you worry? You can't add a cubic to, you, to your height. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet 
Uh, I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like these. And now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, and tomorrow is, is thrown into the oven, what does that mean? Well, it's very practical. You know, it's, it's, the grass grows very green, then the sun comes out, right, and uh, kills it in the summer, you know. And uh, during that spring season, we love it, you know, fresh rains, everything's green around here, but uh, wildflowers are popping up. But then that hot summer sun comes, right? And it, it wilts away and it withers away in the oven of the heat. And uh, tomorrow it's thrown in the oven, it says, and he, uh, and, and will not he much more clothe you, all you have little faith. When we understand this, we start making financial decisions through this kind of prism. It, we make more responsible decisions. We make more responsible decisions when we understand that God is God and we are not. And we can trust him. He will take care of us. And we're not going to, to, you know, create for ourselves debt traps. We're going to trust him that in the right season, he knows the things that we need. But he also knows the things you want and desire. God has given me things I've wanted and desired. You know, he's blessed me with them in, in some incredible ways. But in his timing, I didn't have to run out and run up a big debt. To make it happen. You know, uh, Abraham and Sarah, you know, um, we're going to help God. It never goes well, right? <laughs> when, we, when we get ahead of God and say, you know, you promised me a new kid, I'm going to go get one. Okay? <clears throat> you promised me a new car, you know, you promised me a new house, I'm going to go get it. Right? It just never goes well. But if you feel God's promised you something that are even above your needs, wait on him. Let God provide it. Let God be God and you be you, okay? That's the principle there. And in the, in the end, what we're doing is we're leaving no room for, for worry to park in our lives. There's no parking space for worry. The three things we've talked about, the three principles, know what your life is all about. Live grateful and trust God for all your needs. Let God be God in your life, not you. Worry has no place in, in our heart or in our mind when Jesus is Lord over our lives. He goes on to say in this passage, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, the, uh, the pagans of the day, um, you know, everyone who did not know God or have a relationship with God, uh, are out trying to take care of their own things. He says, for your heavenly Father knows what these needs are. He knows them. And here's what he invites us to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's the priority order for living the worry-free life. And all these things will be added unto you. They're just going to happen. You know, Boaz was wanting a wife, right? Ruth needed a, a husband. And in, in God's divine providence, he had set it to happen. I'm glad they didn't try to make it happen early, right? I'm glad they didn't, didn't uh, try to do things on their own, because out of that seed came Messiah. Out of that seed came, came David, came, came Messiah. And so it's, it, is, it is the reward of those who are diligently seeking him that we get things that God wants to add to our lives, the needs that we have, and even those things that are above the needs when we trust in Him. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, 
Uh, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, right? Sufficient is the day of its own trouble. What use is there in your anxiousness over what might happen tomorrow? You can't change that. Uh, it's going to present its own issues. There are things to focus on today to deal with uh, that we literally can deal with and not necessarily worry about. Uh, we can actually do something that will make a difference. And tomorrow uh, will present other issues. Let's not worry about that. Worry is a useless expenditure of time. Your focus is to seek first the kingdom of God. It's, our focus is to make first things first. God is a priority in our life. All right, here we go. This is our action plan. Are you ready? So we talked about the principles that the scripture teaches here. Let's talk about what the whole of the Bible teaches us about how to be worry-free with respect to our finances. You can find this in the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, this teaching about uh, living what we would call the 10-10-80 plan. Tithing consistently, number one. Putting God first. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. In this day and time, they weren't walking around with uh, money like you and I might have in our pocket or a debit card. But what they used for exchange was the crops of their field or, you know, something that they, um, they might be gifted in, in uh, making things and, and they would trade that. These were, that was the commodity of the day. And so the Lord's saying to them, those things bring to the house of the Lord as a tithe so that we can continue the work in ministry. A priest can be paid and, and those who are doing the ministry and the work of the Lord, that can continue. And, and so that, that was the beginning, prioritizing God first. What I love about tithing, and Michelle and I have practiced this our whole marriage, and God has blessed us tremendously. So I was running numbers. I'm, not trying to, I'm just trying to give you uh, an example of you know, what, what faith would be like um, you know, in, in terms of, of this 10% giving. And you know, I, would, I would say that it, we're, we're right around, you know, over the years, having given $300,000 or better this point in, in ministry. Now, all, all of that has been uh, just tithes. Some of it has been extra offerings to help build and missionaries uh, work and stuff like that. But there is, there, you know, we're, we're nearing retirement, and, and there's not one time that her and I have said, man, I wish I had that 300000 of 401k. <laughs> because when I look at my 401k, which we've had to work on that too, and how God has blessed us, you know, how he's taking care of us. And uh, we got early in our life, we got involved in, in uh, a little bit of real estate because we, you know, there is no 401k for pastors. And so God has blessed that. You know, we bought properties before at, at a reduced rate. We didn't know it was a reduced rate. It just, it just happened that way. And then, and then all of a sudden a big market would come or something and God would bless and we were able to, to retire some debt or get rid of some things. God has always been faithful. He's always taken care of us. He's always blessed us. And so there's no, no point that we've ever looked back and thought, man, I, I really would like a refund. <laughs> In addition, we've seen the work that has happened through our giving, buildings that have been built, children's ministries that have grown, all these things that have taken place. And it's been so rewarding to see God radically change lives. And putting God first in our life is uh, there's so many ways that we can show this, but in our tithe, it's, it's an incredible 
demonstration that we can show God is number one. So when, um, you know, the money hits the bank account, uh, that's the first thing we're thinking about. And then the other things that are on the list that need to be paid. But God, giving to God, and it's been so rewarding. That's my testimony. That's our life. God has blessed us tremendously. The second part of the 1010 principle is, so the first 10%, that word tithe means 10%. The second part of that is to uh, take 10% and save consistently. Proverbs 3.11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Another principle that we have lived out, we've taught to our kids you know, to, to save and to put savings in. And that was hard in the beginning because they wanted the whole dollar, right? To go down and, and, uh, and go shopping and do whatever. But we taught them it didn't belong to them. Uh, you know, it was to savings. And, and it became rewarding for them, you know, that, to learn that they could, they could save and, and it would build up. And then, you know, one day they could, they could do something with that savings that was meaningful to them buy a computer or, you know, was going to help them with school or their work or, or buy, you know, something that was necessary uh, for their life that they might not have otherwise had the funds to buy. And it's, it is so rewarding. But now, even as they're adults, seeing them, you know, with a, a sincere desire to save uh, money for rainy days and, and do as uh, the, Dave Ramsey teaches us in Financial Peace University to have that security uh, in, in uh, funds when those little crises pop up, when the refrigerator you know, stops working or your car breaks down, that we don't have to run to the credit card, but we can just run to the bank and get some cash and pay the guy. And, and what, man, how freeing is that, right? That we do not have to worry now that you know, on that hamburger, we're paying 12.5% interest, right? <laughs> I know people who have, you know, Visa cards, MasterCards, uh, all of that stuff. And, and, and you've been paying for a hamburger for I don't know how many years. It's been a long time, okay? It's, hamburger's long gone. It was, so, uh, but saving consistently helps us resolve that, right? And then learning to live on 80%. What a rewarding thing. We had a couple uh, recently that came to us and said, you know, we have upped that, Pastor, and we are now learning to live off of 70%. Wow. Living off of 70% of your income and saving uh, another 20, you know, 20%, that is awesome. That's awesome. Because rainy days happen to all of us. Dave Ramsey talks about that every, in the cycle of human life, about every 10 years, there's a major crisis. Somebody loses their job. Spouse, husband, that's happened to us, uh, I would say, uh, two times in the last 10 years. So, hey, <laughs> can we have 10 years off or something um, where, you know, my wife, uh, a company, you know, folded and she was lost her job. And so, you know, all of a sudden, like savings has a whole new meaning, right? It's like, it's income now. <laughs> now we're going to have to pay stuff with, with the savings that we put away. And uh, so that happens in our life, right? Somebody might get sick, you know, uh, somebody might pass away, something, something might happen that, that, that creates uh, difficulty. And if I'm only living on 70 or 80% of what my income is, how great is that? How much of the pressure is off my life? Because I don't have to have every single dime to make the end meet, right? 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, and talking about spending uh, responsibly here. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now the Bible never says money is evil. But the Bible does say the love of money is evil. Right? Because God is the one that takes care of us and watches over us. Money is special to God. Why is money special to God? Because it represents you, right? When you go to work and, and you, know, you beat your brains out and, and you work hard and you're exhausted, right? At the end of the week, some of you physical labor, some of you mental labor or whatever it is, you're never getting that back, right? You're never getting those hours back. You have uh, missed school plays. You have, uh, you know, you, you've missed opportunities uh, to, to meet with family, to take trips and, and be there for your mom's birthday or celebrations and things like that. And the company says, oh, we're going to compensate you, right? And they give you money, right? They're paying you for your blood, sweat, and tears. And so when God sees the money that we give, he sees you. He sees you. And he's like, that, that represents you. Thank you. That was a sacrifice that you made when you went to work, and you're offering that to me as an offering, as unto the Lord. I receive it because it's you. It represents you. It's a piece of you that you're never going to get back. And God is so worthy of our trust. He's never failed to meet our needs. And, and we, we set up, uh, you know, we're set up in, in, in life by God, to not worry from the beginning. We're the ones that create the worry environment, right? And, and uh, God says, you know, I want to provide for you. I want to take care of you. I'm not an emergency, um, you know, secret Santa Claus that's going to come to your rescue all the time. I, I want to live with you day by day, moment by moment. I want to help you make wise decisions. And I want you to live your life debt free as much as possible so that you and I can have the level of relationship that we need to have. You don't have to run off to perform for a debtor, and our time is lost. But we are together on this road and this pathway that I'm leading you down. I want to invite our worship team to come, and there are two parts of this conclusion that I want to um, engage you with. This morning, first, I want to invite you to try for three months living a life on the 10-10-80 plan. Uh, if you are in a situation where uh, finances are a huge stress, debts big, uh, issues like that, I want to encourage you to take the Financial Peace University class through Jake. It is it, it is so rewarding to take that class. We have seen tremendous amounts, hundreds of thousands of debt dollars in debt, retired uh, through these classes. And, and people's marriages healed, um, worry just gone, you know, because they are living life differently. So first thing I want to invite you to do is accept a challenge to try to live a 10-10-80 plan for just three months. Let's see what it, how it goes. This, uh, Pastor, I want to do that. I want to give it a shot. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, you know, I've never done this before. I want to give it a shot, and I want to encourage you along that line. But the second thing I want to do this morning is I want to pray over people who have worries in your life that, that is really compelling right now. 
And it may or may not be financial, right? It might be just there's somebody in my family that's sick. I'm so worried. I'm so concerned. Uh, it, could, it could be, you know, there's a relationship that's, that's fractured, and I'm so worried about what that's, what's, what's going to happen there. Uh, it could be along the lines of some of the stuff that we've all been going through, right? The pandemic, and I don't want to get sick. I don't, whatever that worry is, if that's you this morning, and it might be the whole congregation, that's fine. But if that's you, I want you to stand right where you are, okay? Just stand up where you are this morning. If you have worry or concern that is really troubling you, because we're going to pray over you this morning, we're going to believe God to lift that worry and to give you a different perspective, a different view. Amen, amen. Praise God. Are there others? Praise the Lord. We're going to take some time this morning. There's a worry. There's a concern. It's just troubling you. It's been something that... Um, you really have been unable to escape. You have little respites, but then it just right, it rushes right back in. And it's caused a lot of focus and a lot of tension. All right, I wanna encourage those, you see someone standing in the building. I'm gonna give you some time to do this. Go and, and be with someone who's standing right now. Those of you who are still seated to pray with them, okay? To pray over them, especially uh, our leadership teams uh, that are around, if you would go and find these people, let's lay hands on them and believe God's going to do a tremendous work today. Something that we can't do in just moments, God can. Amen. You, you know, I want to tell you, we may not leave here with an answer, but we're going to leave here with the answer, <laughs> right? The presence of God is going to fill you up right now. You're going to have confidence and boldness in the God who there is nothing impossible with, is in the middle of your circumstance. The God who, who, who nothing is too hard for, you've opened the door right now and he's in there. He's in there. Let's pray together. Rest of you who are still seated, please stand. Let's, let's reach towards some of these and let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, there is nothing too great for you, nothing too big. And over this room, God, whatever worries and concerns have been troubling minds, we're inviting you. We're opening the door for you, Lord, right now. Come on in. Come on in. Father, you love us. You care about us. We look around and we see your creation, the birds of the air, the, the flowers, the grass. It's all taken care of. And how much more you love us and care about us. God, we, we are so amazed at how much you care about us and love us. And we invite that love right now to fill each of these hearts and lives today. No one is going out of here, is leaving this place today without the assurance of knowing that they have told you and you have heard them and you're moving in that direction right now. God, something is stirring, something is happening for every person who's reached out to you right now. Thank you. I want you to just begin to thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, in advance. Something is happening. Something is happening in this arena of my worry and concern. Something is going on. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing peace. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing healing. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing financial uh, answers. God, thank you, Jesus, for bringing, Lord, courage. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing hope. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome you here.